Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. I'm Elaine. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Elaine. And thank you, Judy, for asking me to speak. Um, thank you for doing service to keep this meeting going. I really appreciated um, your, sounds like a new script at the beginning, um, emphasizing um, that it's okay to change wording and um, gender pronouns and that we are uh, welcoming to everyone. Um, I came into OA in 1978, and I was 23 years old, and that was more than 40 years ago now. And I, my top weight I actually arrived at while I was in OA was, my top weight was about 185 pounds, and uh, my last, my last binge was in September of 1979, so that was, my last binge was a year and a half after I came into OA. And um, I've been working the steps, um, not continuously by any means, um, but I, I am now currently um, working the steps and I, I know that I need to stay engaged with step work just to have a good life and to maintain my abstinence. And um, let's see, when I first came into OA, the first thing that I was impressed by was how honest people were and um, that they spoke of serenity and having peace of mind and that the meeting ended with the serenity prayer. I did not believe in God when I came into OA. I, I grew up in this area and I grew up, I actually did grow up in a church and it was a, a, a non-religious church. Uh, it was more oriented toward um, social justice and um, human intelligence, um, humanism, and which I appreciate because that meant that I was left to come to my own conclusions about the existence or non-existence of a higher power. And um, I appreciate that about program too, although I didn't, my first impression was I, I felt kind of um, like I was supposed to believe in God and I felt rebellious when I first came into OA. Uh, so I was relieved when um, at, at the end of my first meeting, a woman came up to me and said, take what you like and leave the rest. And I didn't say this out loud, but inside I was saying, good, I'm gonna leave the God thing. <laughs> but even so, I was, I was impressed by the serenity prayer. I think I had heard it somewhere before and it just seemed like um, a good way to deal with life. Um, and it didn't say God. Oh, actually, it does say God. God grant me the serenity. So, uh, for whatever reason, I was open to that prayer. I was also very relieved to um, 
be with people who didn't think that I was a loser and weak-willed because I was overweight and couldn't stop overeating, that it wasn't my fault that I was in the clutches of a dangerous illness. I know that, uh, to me that, that sounds dramatic, that we're in the clutches of a dangerous illness, but I've come to see uh, that, that, that my disease wants me dead, basically. Strange to, to, have, to have that, um, that part of me. <clears throat> so that's why I need a 12-step program. So step one says, um, we, we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. And uh, I, I accepted that at first and then, and I, and I was able to start abstaining fairly quickly when I came into OA. Um, but it was, in retrospect, more like a diet for me and a, a competition, like, and, um, and I thought cer certain things about the food plan were, were stupid. <laughs> um, so, um, but still, for whatever reason, I was able to abstain and I was smoking pot, and I started drinking coffee. I'd never been a coffee drinker before OA, but, and, and I started drinking diet soda quite a bit, much more than I had before. So I was, um, I needed something, I, I needed something to put in my mouth. So I was smoking pot, I was drinking coffee compulsively and drinking diet soda compulsively, and I wasn't compulsively overeating, and I lost um, I lost weight really quickly. I was in my 20s, early 20s, and um, I was getting lots of praise. Every time anyone would see me, they'd say, wow, oh my gosh, you've lost half a body. Um, so it was really a high. Um, I looked in the mirror and I, and I, and I, I kind of didn't recognize myself, and I held my, my hand out like that so I could see my fingers from straight on. I thought, wow, even my fingers are thinner than they used to be, and it was, it was just a trip. It was sort of unbelievable. And sometimes I, it, my body still is unbelievable to me. I sometimes still feel fat. I sometimes still feel my bones and my muscles and think, wow, that's, that feels weird. <laughs> Um, but then um, a romantic situation didn't work out the way I had hoped it, uh, that I, the way I was hoping it would, and I started binging, and I lost my, my first abstinence, and I um, binged and gained back all the weight I had lost plus more. I gained 60 pounds in three months, and this time, everyone was looking at me and thinking, oh my God, what's happening to Elaine? Um, I was very concerned about what other people thought of me. Um, what else did I want to say about that? So I was eating to kill. It was my form of nervous breakdown. And it was not um, a random reason that I had started binging. For me, relationships, 
especially romantic relationships, but all relationships and um, overeating are, you know, they, they, are, they go together. They go together. And so it's not surprising that what the 12 steps are about are healing our relationships with ourselves, with others, and with the universe. So um, in relapse step one, the, I hated step one. At, at first I had accepted it like I'm powerless and it was kind of a relief. Oh, I'm powerless. That's what the problem is. That's why I used to eat entire packages of things that you're just supposed to take one handful of. Um, that's why I, I was so stealthy um, sneaking food and stealing food from roommates, family, um, stores because um, I'm powerless. I'm not, I'm not a bad person trying to get good. I'm a sick person trying to get well, is what I learned in OA. But in relapse, I hated step one. I hated, God damn it, I'm powerless. And um, it was just so frustrating um, to, to know, to, to have known abstinence and to, and, and to have lost it. And, um, so the only thing I liked about step one was the first word, we. Admitted we were powerless over food and our lives had become unmanageable. At least I wasn't alone. My current relationship with step one is, um, it seems like I'm powerless over everything. There's nothing that I have any power over. Um, I can take action, I can, I can make decisions, um, out, but I have no, no control over outcomes. And for me, the big question is, is my life unmanageable? And I like to focus on having a manageable life. Um, for me, that means doing lots of footwork. There's so much um, self-care involved in being a grown-up in life. <laughs> I mean, it's all about taking care of this body, taking care of this, you know, delicate psyche. Um, yeah, it's, it's a full-time job. And um, at times I've resented that. The more I can accept that, that, that that's, that's the reality of life, is that I need to take care of myself financially, physically, emotionally. It's no one else's job. I'm the one. <laughs> And, and, is, and the, uh, <clears throat> 10 minutes to go, thank you. Um, the more I accept that and act on that, the more peace of mind I have. Um, step two, uh, it would be great if I had the steps right in front of me so I don't have to rely on my questionable memory. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. I have it right here, thank you. Um, I, um, I have at times questioned being restored, like was I ever sane? I mean, I, I've, I've questioned all, all the parts of all the steps, but I'll just, I'll just let you know my, um, you know, my thinking about. So sanity to me means um, calm, not binging. Um, not hating, 
and um, able to show up to keep my commitments. And um, when I first heard this step, I focused very much on the power greater than my than ourselves. Like it was like I was being challenged. Like, okay, you got to believe in God if you're gonna if you're gonna recover. You got to believe in God. And um, so it, w it felt like a, a coercion kind of thing. And um, to tell you the truth, my uh, my because I w had. I, w I was experiencing relapse in early recovery. I, um, and I was told when all else fails, follow directions. What that meant to me was starting to, con or continuing with the step work, but starting to pray and to talk to a higher power. So my first prayers to a higher power were very angry. I don't believe in you. Um, this is stupid. I feel like an idiot. I have to do this. Um, but they were honest. They were honest, angry prayers. And um, now my relationship with, with step, step two, coming to believe that a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity, um, is that I don't, that, um, that the 12 steps are my higher power in one sense. I mean, I, I do have a relationship with God now, but, um, when it comes down to it, the 12 steps are my higher power. Um, and um, being restored to sanity means taking my hands off the problem and um, trusting that, that I don't have to have the solution to life's problems. And rather than um, focusing my, my energy and intelligence on figuring things out, if I just say, I trust. I trust that there is a solution and I don't know what it is and I'm open. So it's, it's a way of being open-minded, I guess, is what, what I'm coming to. Step three says, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood God. And my first efforts at this step um, were sort of like step two. I didn't, it was, it was rote. So for one thing, I um, was, it was suggested to me to read uh, the third step in the AA 12 and 12 every day for, you know, as long as, for 30 days, as long as I could stand it basically. And um, just to kind of let the ideas be in my psyche and see what happened. Just see what happened. And now my relationship with step three is uh, when I find myself trying to figure something out and getting stressed out about a problem to just, when, I, when I'm willing to, to just say, what is your will? What do you want me to do? And then just go about my business. Just go about doing the next right little thing. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Uh, my first fourth step I did when I was not abstinent and I, was, I wanted to be abstinent and I was told if I wanted to be abstinent, I needed to work the 12 steps. So I, and I, work, I started working it without a sponsor. I didn't have a sponsor. Um, I was afraid or I didn't think anyone was good enough or whatever. I just 
liked to do things on my own. I was independent. <laughs> I was very, I have always been very independent. Five minutes to go, thank you. And um, there, was a, there was a guide called the Applied Principles of Addictive Recovery, the APOR guide. And um, it had a hundred questions um, to take you through step four. And it took me a year to, uh, to go through those, those, those 100 questions. I started reading my, what I had written well before I was done because I, it was so upsetting to me to be um, thinking about things like resentment toward my mother, for example. So I just found a, a program friend and to have someone listen to what I had written and say, wow, you're really in it, felt so affirming and freeing to just have someone witness my, my pain and my resentment and not judge me and just, and, and, but see me. Um, I, I didn't come from a family that did a lot of therapy, so I was not used to saying what was going on with me. I wanted everyone to think I was the together one. So um, step four and five were a radical change for me in my, my life and how I related to people, opening up to people, telling people what was really going on, showing my, my pain and my struggle. I really wanted to be the one that, that other people came to um, for support. Steps six and seven were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character and seven humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. To me, these steps um, at first seemed really simple. They're really short in the, in the uh, AA literature, in the AA big book. Just kind of um, become entirely ready. Okay, I'm entirely ready. <laughs> and then humbly ask, okay, God, I humbly ask you to remove every single <laughs> defect of character. Hmm. Hmm, nothing feels different. <laughs> <laughs> I guess there's more to this than just those words. And so actually, to me, step six and seven are the on, are one of all the steps are ongoing, but really, <laughs> step six and seven are really ongoing on a daily basis. Um, that uh, the way I relate to them now is um, what makes me become entirely ready is how I feel. My feelings are my like my golden path of keeping me heading toward uh, serenity and higher power. Is that I'm feeling bad. Hmm. Okay, God, I must be having some thought I'm believing, those old beliefs that come up and, and control my emotions, control my behavior. Everything for me, my understanding is everything starts with my beliefs. Um, I'm a loser. I blew it. I'm not going to have enough money. Just eat this, you'll feel better. You're not going to have enough food, all those kinds of beliefs that have driven me in the past, I need to question on a daily basis. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible. 
except when to do so would injure them or others. Step nine always scared me. That was the one step that I just never, I just never wanted to get to, I never wanted to do, I never wanted to go back and tell those people I babysat for that I had stolen their food. I didn't want to go to that professor at, um, at Cal State Hayward and tell him I was high when, when that accident happened and um, just to humble, to be, it, that just seemed humiliating to me. It was just, I was afraid of feeling humiliated. I was afraid of what they would think of me. And as it turns out, if I'd done step eight extremely thoroughly, written a letter, had a sponsor, one minute to go, I bet. <laughs> um, uh, look it over and make sure that I don't have any self-justification or any hooks. Um, and I've included things in my letter that are what I'm grateful for that the other person has brought into my life. I'm ready to talk to that person. And um, I'm going to try to wrap it up. Um, as I said, I've been in the program more than 40 years, and I had a woman on my eighth step list who I just made amends to a couple years ago now. So that's, that's, that's a long time of, of you know, making it through the steps. And um, when I, 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 was, I was taught to ask permission to make amends, not to just send a letter because that's perpetuating more of the same, like, I don't care how you feel, I need to do this, which is um, not taking another person's feelings into account. <coughs> when I asked her if I could make amends, she said, why isn't my sister making amends to me? <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, oh, she knows what I'm talking about. She's open to this. And it, and it went really well. Um, I don't have any more time, so I will just say, um, I'm grateful that I hit the jackpot when I first in, came into my, when I came into my first OA meeting, I hit the jackpot for life in terms of a way of life and a way of um, learning to live and be happy and abstinent. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Our treasurer will now tell us about the seventh tradition. Oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm picking up the, 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 the